0: the fan. Need your soccer rich scratched? Ooh, yes, that's the spot. Look at this guy, so hopped up on goofballs and grass, he's got no idea what's going on. It's time to go inside the crew. Here's Neil Sika and Jordan Angeli.
1: Doesn't this song make you want to dance? I am
2: dancing. How'd you know?
1: Celebrations of all kinds, weddings, birthdays.
2: Inside the crew. Of course,
1: it's apropos. It's, It's apropos when it's in September, but you can also dance when your team is in first place and playing as well as they are.
2: That is very true.
1: Just like the Columbus crew. Hi, Jordan. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inside the Crew. Hi, Neil. In addition with the first place black and gold. Hello.
2: It's
1: Off good. of Hell is Real Victory on Sunday.
2: Yeah. It was a fun, fun game to be a part of. It was a little slow in the first 45, but it opened up, and then everybody was dancing afterwards.
1: Everyone was dancing. There were 1,500 fans. They're back. Hope everyone had a good holiday weekend. Crew play Chicago this Saturday. That game has been moved to Univision. So we'll have some radio action for you here on the fan. If you're not watching then it's a 3.30 kick. Second matchup with Chicago, we're going to talk about them coming up in a little bit with U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer Tony Miola. We're moments away from hearing from Emmanuel Boateng, one of the new additions to the team. Speaking of new additions, Jossie Zardes, a baby boy, Gyson, and two goals. Got seven in the last five meetings with FC Cincinnati. You mentioned the slow start, but everything was going on in the second half, and everything is going right for this team right now. Another shutout that is just mind-boggling, eight and ten games.
2: Yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch this team and how they balance each other with their willingness and drive and risks going forward, but also the their commitment to defending from the top all the way back through every player in the 11.
1: It was back on August... I gotta get my notes pulled up here properly so we know the exact date of this trade. Emmanuel Boateng, on August 14th, uh, was acquired from D.C. United for Axel Schuberg. He's made three appearances so far this season. Member of the Gone Quad. Of course, there's more than four Ghanaians now on the roster, but reunited with his old teammates, speaking of Josie Zardes, from their days in L.A., and he makes his show debut here on Inside the Crew right now. Hello, Emmanuel. Thanks for coming on the show, and welcome to Columbus. How's everything going?
3: Uh, Everything is good. Uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on this morning.
2: Emmanuel, we're excited that you're now part of the Columbus crew. You really went from coast to coast, from the Galaxy to D.C., and now have found your way here in Columbus. How have your first couple weeks been with the crew?
3: Um, It's been great. Uh, uh, Really nice guys on the team, you know, just besides the quality on the field they're all very welcoming uh, within you know the first 24 hours that you know the news broke that I was coming here I, you know a bunch of the guys reached out to me made me feel very welcome and then uh, in training there's a lot of quality so uh, there's a lot of competition learning from the guys um, and just competing hard every day so it's been a great experience so far and you know great coaches as well.
1: Manuel Boateng is our guest here on Inside the Crew. So who's your first new teammate to give you a call? Was it Jossie? You go back, of course, a ways with the Galaxy. There's a good contingent of Ghanaians on this roster. Uh, I'm sure it made you set up to feel pretty comfortable coming here right away.
3: Yeah, Jonathan actually beat Jossie to that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's what a good
1: captain does.
3: I know, right? Yeah, he he hit me up uh, pretty quick about that and, you know, welcomed me. I was actually with him yesterday on our off day, just kind of hanging out at his house. He invited me to come uh, have lunch with him and then, you know, went out, played some ping pong, hang out. Jesse was good too. Jesse reached out to me. There's a lot of guys that i played with on this team. Uh, Matt Lamson, uh, John Kempin, I played with both guys in L.A., um darwin was really nice too he didn't have my number there but he reached out on instagram so a lot of the guys hector he met us uh same thing so even before you know i showed up on the first day I already made contact with these guys so i felt uh, uh pretty at home
2: uh, i love that i love hearing that and how it seems like this locker room is a really special special place the more we talk to you guys and Uh, learn about players that are coming into it and acknowledging how unique it is. One of the things that we did, we did get to talk to Jassy, and he said, I've been waiting for Emmanuel to get here. Like he was hinting that this (laughs) is a a connection that you guys have a pretty, uh, you know, a connection that goes back to your time in LA galaxy, but what is special about the way that you two can play together?
3: Um, We've had some really good, uh, Good times on the field together for sure, and uh, yeah, he's right about that. Me and him have talked about. I mean, it, it goes from like right when he was getting traded here, um, mm-hmm. right when he broke the news to me. He also asked me like, "Yo, I think uh, Greg kind of wanted you to come too if you want to come. Like, they will make the trade and all that." So we've we've been talking about this, and you know, every time. We play against each other the last few years. We've been, you know, kind of hinting at it, so it's kind of nice to come back to that. And I know the kind of player he is. He works hard. He will always try to find the pockets. I mean, you saw his. Um, I think it was his first goal, the one from Pedro. I mean, the move mm-hmm. that he made in the
2: oh.
3: in the box to just, you know, free himself up for that tap in. Like, you know, a lot of people are just gonna see him tapping in, but that little run to the second post and check him back to the first. So I kind of noticed a lot of that playing with him. I know he's going to work hard trying to find those spots. So when I have the ball out wide, just look for him. And, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, he will uh, score the goal and put us in a good position.
2: That's funny that you mentioned that because when we're calling the game, we have a button that we can talk back to our producer. And I was like, I need Jassy's run. That was so good. <laughs> it was It was beautiful. You're so right about that.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's a really good player. Really good guy, too. Always, uh, you know, looking out for teammates and trying to help each other
1: out. So, he's, uh, he's a good guy. I hope he brought cigars to celebrate the birth of Geison and his two goals. I mean, that's only the respectable thing to do <laughs> when you're a dad for the fourth time in that situation. Emmanuel Boateng is our guest here on Inside the Crew. I always find the stories of the right-to-dream guys fascinating, Emmanuel. So. From your path and taking that route, you were the Gatorade High School Player of the Year in 2012. You played one year at UC Santa Barbara. How do you feel the move to Sweden when you began your career kind of set you up for where you are now? And what was it like to go through the Right to Dream Academy as a young boy and um, fill out your dream of becoming a professional soccer player uh, when the odds are low in in a situation like that?
4: Yeah, like you
3: said, the odds are very low to make it out of, you know, a place like Ghana. It's a lot of talent, um, and that's basically how Right to Dream was really founded. The uh, the founder Tom Vernon came to Ghana and just realized how much potential was there, especially in the young age compared to the Premier League in Ghana. He just felt like there was somebody that was needed to bridge it because, like, the talent doesn't match What the players turn up to be in the top league. So we felt like if there's a better system set up with like good education and good coaches, these players could really excel and become, you know, one of the, you know, some of the best uh, playing in the best leagues in the world. So that's how the academy was founded to provide opportunities. And I was lucky enough to be one of the guys that was selected in there. I think 2006. Um, yeah, it's a bunch of kids, I think 3,500 kids tried out, and in the end, we only 16 of us got selected, uh, to be in the academy and, um, you know, train every day, try to be better, be go to school too. We had really good teachers that would volunteer from the UK and US come over and teach us, so we were getting really world class education. So it's always a competition as well, because every year there's only three kids that would get scholarships to schools in the U.S. um, out of maybe 48 kids that were there at that time. So you always had to compete to be one of the best to position yourself uh, for one of those spots. And uh, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, I got lucky to – got a scholarship in 2009 to go to K-School in Santa Barbara, Um, really great – Campus Really great people there. I uh, had some of my best best times uh, there on that campus and my host family was really integral in uh, helping me adjust here because, you know, coming from Ghana, there's a lot that I had to learn, you know, just to be here. I never owned a computer before and, you know, oh, all good. of my schoolwork was going to be, I had to, you know, type all of these out and stuff like that. So my host family really helped with that. You know picking me up from campus taking me to soccer practices and stuff so we still have a really great bond. um i call them my family now um yeah
1: uh so yeah
3: i have two families now so yeah just all that and then going to college uh going to sweden was a new experience uh first time really being on my own um you know i lived in the academy without my parents um but i had you know they were only you know, like a four hour drive away from me, but going to Sweden was totally on my own. I was an adult there, um, uh, learning how to be a professional and, uh, being in a new country, learning the language and all that stuff was quite an adjustment period, but I think I learned a lot from that. Then, you know, I circled back and back to the other galaxy. So it's been quite a journey. Um, it's a lot that went in there, but I think every stage I learned, uh, something new, uh, that, Helped me on the field or off the field to be a better person.
2: I love that. I love that you said better person too, because right, we're people first, and like the things that you learn from all those experiences. Gosh, I could, I could, I want to know more about your story. I know that's a little bit of it, but it's so interesting. Yeah, Is your family? You so yeah, yeah. Is your
1: family? <laughs> that's good. We're Ghana? on a time crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: Is your family still in Ghana?
3: Yeah, my family, I have one sister in Ghana. Both my parents uh, are in Ghana as well. Um, and then my host family, I have three siblings. And then, uh, you know, both families are in... Uh, that family is in Santa Barbara now. And we still communicate, uh, go on vacations together and everything. So one big that. family now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Hey, the real question here, before we let you go, we only got a few more minutes. Did Jonathan <laughs> cook you a meal that you guys both can enjoy from a Ghanaian meal? Or
3: I mean, come sandwiches? on. What do you think we did? What, what do we <laughs> think we had to watch yesterday? That was, that, that was, that was him cooking. That's, that's all he does, man. He's a, he's a pretty good cook. So every time he invites me, I'm excited to go over. And uh, yeah, really good guy. And just talking about him too. Like two minutes ago, as I was talking about my history He's just sending me pictures from uh, that some photographers here I have team, you know, trying to get it to me, so good guys always wow. keeping in contact,
1: yeah yeah well, you know, we uh, we're going to put in our takeout orders so the next time you go over there <laughs> you can ask some stuff Yeah. for <laughs>
4: right,
1: Emmanuel
4: I'll, I'll make sure
3: we bring you guys a platter next time
1: okay. love it Emmanuel Boateng, thanks for sharing uh, some of your story, it's great to get to know you we look forward to watching you have an effect on what has been a great season so far. Good luck against Chicago this weekend, and thanks for coming on the show.
3: All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Continue your good work.
2: Yeah, Oh, thank you so much.
1: Manuel Boateng, crew's newest midfielder, with us here on Inside the Crew. When we come back, we'll talk fire with Tony Miola, U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. Inside the Crew, ninety-seven won The Fan.
0: Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The f- news analysis and all things black and gold. This is inside the crew with Neil Sika and Jordan Ashley. Proud to be your flagship station for a crew soccer, Ohio sports destination. And she ain't messing with no other man Now what you not gonna do Is stand there across from me like you got kung fu That's their crust arm running your mouth like
1: a fox Put together an eclectic mix, Jordi Before uh, the deadline for the music this week Yeah I, I feel
2: like you can't talk Chicago without Chance the Rapper So I had to find something that was appropriate But here, here we are <laughs>
1: Appropriate <laughs> is the key, tasteful
2: Yes, exactly
1: all those describe our next guest. We could roll out the red carpet and throw out all accolades. U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer, MLS all-time best 11, Herman Trophy winner, three times a World Cup uh, participant, and now on color analysis for the Chicago Fire in 2020. We talked to Tyler Terrans a couple of weeks ago. Now we talk to Tony Miola. How you doing, Tony?
4: Hey guys, I'm doing well. Thanks uh, so much for having me.
2: We're yeah, excited to, to have voice. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and yeah, on a day when the U S things... uh,
1: soccer hall of fame, uh, nominations came out or inductions.
4: Yeah. So, uh, just earlier, I saw Carlos Bocanegra, uh, get in, uh, yeah. happy for him. A guy that well-deserved on his part. I know there's, uh, there's always some discussion about who doesn't get in all the time. And, and some people think it's uh, flawed voting and all of this stuff. But I, I, you know, when you talk about Carlos Bocanegra, like no question, he should have been a, a first ballot guy and was, and, uh, did so much for our country. So congratulations, uh, to him on, on the induction and, uh, looking forward to, to enjoying some time, some, some time in the future as we go to some of those events. Yeah. It's the old man's it, club as we call it, right? You you can't <laughs> yeah. be young and be in, in the Hall of Fame, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah. And also on the Fires website, your guys' team website, there's a nice picture of Carlos Boc- Bocanegra in his prime with his bleached blonde hair. It's pretty it's pretty funny to, <laughs> to look at that. But the Diggs, the new Hall of Fame down in Texas, is I'm sure you've been down there and got to check it out, but it is so nice.
4: You know, you know, Jordan. I, I haven't been down there because I was supposed to go at the beginning of this season. So that was the plan oh. was to go down there, and work it out, and then and then obviously there the pandemic hit. But yeah, they were spacing it out and they were bringing guys in, I guess, once a month that had been in and and uh, but I but I've seen all the pictures um, and it looks and everyone that goes down there says the same thing. They, this, it's amazing. I can't wait to go down. To be honest, I, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Tony Miola is our guest here on Inside the Crew. So, Tony, when Columbus and Chicago had played back on August 20th, it was a close game, and then the Nagby goal, the late insurance from Zardes, we took away the fact that Chicago had looked pretty good and had some moments of opportunity to tie the game there. And they beat Cincinnati in the follow-up 2-6-2, and two, though, and winless in three. Uh, what's your make and read on this group right now as they head into this final game of the phase one uh, playing at soldier field this Saturday against Columbus. And uh, it seems like there's a lot there that can make something happen, which will be positive down the road, but uh, haven't put it all together yet.
4: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head on a few points, Neil. Um, 17 changes to the group. If you go back to that Columbus game, and it's one that we kind of, Tyler and I use as a reference when we're talking about other games on the broadcast, and it's kind of a microcosm of the season where Etienne, I believe, scored the first goal, right, the pullback at the top of the box against the Chicago Fire. And in between his goal and then the Nagby Stunner, um, I thought the Chicago Fire were the better team. And, and you, can, you can pretty much say for periods of time in all five games in this second phase that the Chicago Fire have been the better team who go to the game against the New England Revolution, that they lose. They give a bad ball away uh, in the third minute, and they're down 1-0. And then from that point on, they took over, and they doubled the amount of shots of New England. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they draw level, um, and Phil Bunbury hits one off the top of his foot, which meant to be a cross and ends up in the back of the net. And mm-hmm. you're kind of scratching your head going, man, the, the team down there, you, you kind of, you know, as an analyst and, and in my position, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and, and thinking, you know, what would be going through my mind right now? And the, the word that comes to mind right away is snake bitten right now, right? The term snake bitten, where things just aren't going your way. They create enough chances. They haven't been clinical enough. In the in the last moment, right, the final pass, the final shot. That last moment moment hasn't been clinical enough, and they've outshot opponents. They've they've outpossessed, and, and of course, possession to me is one of those that can be tricky sometimes. Um, you know, so you you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But in the games where I look at possession in in the attacking third or the final third of the field, they've been they've had more of that, uh, and, and they just. They have to. They have to be clean right now to win, and I think that's the the thing that's bitten them. A mistake here, they'll pay for it defensively. Um, and, and then when you have opportunities, as you know in this game, you got to put them away. And, and you know, I go to Columbus and what they did, and and there weren't a lot of chances in for Columbus in that game. There was the one at the, at the end of the half where Bobby Shuttleworth had to make a, a foot save, and then of course there was. Um, there was the Zardis penalty kick that could have buried the game. And at that point, if you're Chicago, I would be thinking going into the dressing room, man, we just got our break, right? We could have been two nil down going into the dressing room. We just got our break here and let's, let's go out that second half and and try and and try and pull ourselves back. And that's kind of been the way the season has gone so far. But I think you said, Neil, they have enough talent there. They just got to, they got to be cleaner and put it all together.
2: Yeah. And that was one of looking back over the 10 games that we've gotten to call is the game against Chicago one that stands out is it was a fun game to call because it was back and forth. And there were times where Chicago was on the front foot or Columbus was on the front foot. And one of the things I want to know from you as a former goalkeeper, you have a different perspective. And one of the players that is interesting to me is new outside back Navarro. What do you see from him? What do you like about what he does that can really help Chicago fire? Not only defensively, but as they go forward as well.
4: Um, yeah, so he he's a guy that was brought in to uh, attack. Um, he's a guy that was brought in to um, to to get forward. He's got that quality, and the one thing I think we've seen from him is he's he's maybe a little bit better defender than than was sold to us. Um, and he's he's still learning that part of the game. The joy, the joy of the game for him comes when he attacks and it's clear when you watch him play. Um, but he's been a real bright spot for for this group. He's been a real uh, spark, and he's gotten probably more minutes than he maybe thought he was going to get this far into the season, but he's clearly the, the starting left back. Jonathan Bornstein, who, as you guys know, has been around this league for quite some time, mid-30s, um, has been a guy that's come off the bench. And keep in mind, when Jonathan Bornstein, the last couple games, has come off the bench, Navarro's actually gone into the midfield, and Bornstein's gone behind him. So that's how highly they think of him, uh, you know, as an attacking
1: player. Tony Miola is our guest here on Inside the Crew. Tony, we've only got a couple minutes left, but Aloy Room's going into this game. 461 consecutive shutout minutes, which is second all-time in club history. It's outside the top 10. Of course, Tony holds the record, 681 scoreless minutes. that's seven and a half games what do you what do you remember about that stretch <laughs> back in two thousand with Kansas City when you set the all-time mark did you have a lot to do I mean that was a, a stellar defense that gave up I think one of the fewest goals uh, yeah. records in, in league history
4: I know yeah we, I think we did at that point um, the um, the that run was crazy. And I can remember the Tampa Bay mutiny. We went into Tampa Bay. I want to say it was like, I think that was a seven game run or something like that, or portions of a seven game run. And we went into like the fifth uh, game in Tampa and Mamadou Diallo. I'm sure you guys remember him. Big center forward had a penalty kick and, you know, and that's all they, I I remember going back and, and watching the game. That's all he talked about. And he, he, he actually, I went to my right, he hit it to the left and missed it by i don't know 10 feet uh i mean it was amazing um how, how wide he missed it by and i, I thought to myself you, you know that's one of those moments again where you think things are going your way right things are going uh, are going the way you want them to and everything is falling in place for you so that's kind of uh that's kind of where the um that, that's kind of where that all you know, that the whole mojo you're talking about with the Chicago Fire. When they're going your way, they're going your way. You know, the goal that they gave up, the second goal that they gave up to Bunbury on the when things are going right, instead of that ball finding the upper corner at the back post, you know, it hits both posts and comes out, you know, and you think, ooh, I dodged another one and they're they're just not dodging any <laughs> but yeah, that run we had back then, that's that's a
1: crazy one, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it, of course, paid off with the ultimate fruition in an MLS Cup championship. And we could reminisce for hours, and we will again someday. But we thank you for your time, Tony. We wish you all the best, you and the family. And uh, be well. And uh, we look forward to listening to to SiriusXM and watching the games. And we'll talk to you soon.
4: Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. I enjoy uh, listening to your guys' calls.
1: Great job.
2: Thanks. You too, Tony. Thanks for coming on.
1: Nice to see you stay. Thanks much. When we come back, we'll take your questions on Twitter. Inside the crew, ninety-seven one the fan. All Buckeyes, all
0: Buckeyes, all the time. The Buckeye Show, weeknights at six. Your flagship home for Ohio State athletics. The Fan, Ohio Sports destination.com. Com. News analysis and all things black and gold. This is Inside the Crew with Neil Sega and Jordan Angeli. Proud to be your flagship station for a cruise soccer. Ohio sports destination. Stretch my hands to you. Life-like, this is what your life like. Try to live the life right. People really know you push your buttons like type right. This is like a movie, but it's really very life-like. Every,
2: is this a Neil or
0: Jordan? Every single fight, right? I was looking at the plan <laughs> and I don't even
1: <laughs> Based on who asked that question, we know it's not me.
2: <laughs> Why? People don't know that. Only you and I know. Until we, yeah, I've thrown some hip hop
1: into the show before.
2: Yeah, yeah, have.
1: I have. It is time for Twitter questions. As we thank Tony Miola for his visit on the show. 3.30 Columbus, Chicago this Saturday with pregame coverage here on the fans starting around 3.15. Got a lot of questions, Jordy.
2: Mm-hmm. I know. Everyone I'm wants to talk
1: when the team is playing well. Yeah, where, where can we start?
2: Well, I think it's because uh, I started the tweet with, all righty then. I think people really dug that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish that there would be another – Jim Carrey's pretty much done it all at this point. Come back and make another Ace Ventura. They yeah. Another that would be, Dumb and Dumber years later. Good. Right? He always said it was one of his favorite characters to play.
2: How could it not it be? It was so funny. Uh, I <laughs> think, can what? we start with this question? Because this was something that was asked last week, and I think it's nice that we can get back to it. Um, at Terry underscore Barber sure. Jr. says, What do you attribute to the team's lack of success off of set pieces and particularly corners? So the service, the personnel, the strategy. So I'm going to hit you with that one
1: first. Hmm. We were asking Josh Williams, at least offensively how they could be better on this uh, said topic. And it's a good question. Mm -hmm. I think they're targeting him. I think they're, I don't think it's necessarily the personnel. I think it's the alignments of, of what they're going against defensively. Cincinnati is yeah. a team that's got eight guys right in front of Teton, so it kind of makes it tough to do anything in the interior. But um, as far as the drop of what they're they attempting to do, I, you know, sometimes it's it's more about the the commitment to get on the end of it because there were some dangerous balls even served on in the game on the weekend.
3: Uh-huh.
1: You, you build an abundance of chances, then more often than not, they will, I think, start to fall your way. But from a tactical yeah. standpoint, do you, have you viewed anything that's maybe a little bit off or could be better?
2: Well, it's, it's just, it's difficult for corner kicks to come off offensively. They're really, they're, a hard, a low percentage um, part of the game to score against. How do I want to say that? You, the chances of scoring on a corner kick are low for a reason, and that reason being, the defensive team gets to set up, and with uh-huh. the intent of their body is facing away from their goal, their goal for most parts, and they can hit the the ball on stride going away from goal. Right. So it's just a difficult the timing of everything has to be perfect. The one thing I did notice on Sunday is I, I did think that a few of the crosses and they were intentionally again, trying to target the far, far post, right? It was Josh Williams or Jonathan Mensa, and that long ball had to be a little bit more driven when it floats up there it's hard for anybody to get one underneath it and two get the power back across so I think just the texture on the ball going in has to be a little bit more zippy a little bit more driven
1: I like that and to go back to what I was saying I'm not drifting but I'm also saying it as not wanting to sound like Pablo Mastroianni and human spirit let me give you an example Kai Kamara I think we can argue say that he's Maybe, unquestionably, one of the greatest headers of the ball offensively in league history. Look at the way he scores his goals. He calls himself the the
2: headmaster.
1: The headmaster. (laughs) Look at what he did when he scored uh, all those goals at his record-breaking season here in Columbus back in 2015. And Josh Williams was echoing this. You can get into the right positions. I mean, the way Mm -hmm. the play is diagrammed, the way everything that you work on in training But there's a compete level and there's a desire, just like Dennis Rodman in rebounding, right? Knowing the angles, knowing where the tendencies might be if a ball comes a certain way off an opponent. Same thing with Kamara. I think he's mastered that. And, you know, you don't have Kai Kamara on every team or even with your center back. So there's an element of of an artwork to it uh, that I Mm -hmm. think goes just beyond Hey, make sure you're in this position. If a guy's on the post, or if they're half zonal or half man, so it goes beyond that. It's a, it's a great question, and I think yes, it would be nice uh, to produce a little bit more of, of set pieces. What team would it? But they're not conceding enough of the set pieces like they were last year either. Right. I mean, sure there was some danger against Philly, but they were able to put those fires out. All right, moving on. Next question for you, Jordan. And I think okay. it's drawing the ire of a lot of the crew fans out there this morning based on the MLS team of the week's Jossie oh, Zardes gosh. made it with his two goals. But how does this is from crew supporters union at crew union? How does MLS justify not including any defenders in their team of the week? Jonathan Mensa is looking like a defender of the year. I agree. If they continue on this pace, how could he not be? And they, how do they justify naming Curtin manager of the week when Porter beat him on Wednesday and then engineered a Rivalry beat him on Sunday? Fair point. I mean, but yeah, don't get all too upset about teams of the week.
2: Yeah, but I think it's hard when you're talking about teams of the week in MLS because a lot of those things are based off of stats. So those defenders sure. that are in there probably had a lot of clearances or a lot of blocked shots or... There was some kind of stat that put them in there. Whereas Jonathan Mensah's stat was he is one of the highest passers on the team, right? Because the Columbus crew haven't had to do a lot of defensive work. And especially in that game versus Cincinnati, there was a lot more work against Philadelphia and it is the same week. So um, there is confusion in that sense. But I I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I I think it's hard to put room as the goalkeeper when another goalkeeper is making a ton of saves. so Yeah, he's
1: not facing much. He didn't face much Sunday. That's yeah. Wrong.
2: So it is a little odd, but I wouldn't doubt that that's going to be – I'm sure those players are going to get in there every now and then, Eventually, right? Eventually, yes. Yeah.
1: And I will say from a statistical bone, Jonathan Mensah does lead the league in clearances, head and clearances – may not have had an abundance of them um,
2: versus Cincinnati in a certain which game. Will, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Which will skew this week's stats. So yes, I, sure. of course, I think that he is, I mean, I haven't seen a center back who's played better than he has
1: this season. Yeah. So,
2: but it's what also I would say nice to everyone to out the there radar. is keep
1: your eyes. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the big prize. I'm not, I'm not right. really worried about team of the week or player of the yeah. week. It's a nice feather in the cap for like thirty seconds, right? <laughs> right. On. Yeah.
2: Um, okay. One last thing here for this segment. I think we have time, maybe for one more question. Uh, yeah, we'll ben get to a couple Z. in the
1: final segment. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm. I don't know. His handle's pretty long here. Ben Jammy, yeah. whatever. It's like a binary Zero. code. Yeah. You don't have to read. <laughs> how do you think Columbus will do in phase two seeming as phase two will most likely include Western conference teams for us, which I don't think that's true.
1: That is not true. Yes. I just a reminder to everybody it's intra conference for the rest of the season. So Eastern conference teams, Nashville move from the West to the East because essentially, well, they were in the West for the balance, but geographically, as you know, they're Mm -hmm. better to play in the East. So 10 of the 14 teams play in the East. But to your question, Ben, yes, I think they need to play some new opponents. They will play some new opponents. We're going to see right. some new teams in there. You're most likely going to see a DC or a new England coming up on the schedule. Nashville has just stated an Orlando, um, Atlanta. So there's, there's a lot of good tests that are still in mm-hmm. the water for this group. And a few road games too, that might be compacted together. So, it's funny to say you're coming up on the midpoint of the season, but...
2: Yeah, it feels weird.
1: There's a lot of uh, good games that still remain on the slate for this team. And it's possible that they could see Cincinnati again. You can't play anybody more than four times, is what I've told been told. So, that leaves the option on. All right, good questions. When we come back, uh, we'll maybe take a couple more. in Week 11, the MLS season talk a little bit about that before we get out of here. Inside the Crew, 971
0: The Fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. So you in that look at the black and gold. You're listening to Inside the Crew with Neil Seek and Jordan Angeli. Proud to be your flagship station for the Columbus Crew, The Fan.
1: We are back to close out the show. I would think at some point in the next 24 to 48 hours, who knows, by official airtime tonight, you could have the next 12 games, Faces two and three, for the rest of the regular season. It'll come out this week, because, well, we're out of games after
2: this (laughs) week. It kind of has to.
1: Yeah. And it's another busy slate, too as they all have been, six games compacted into a three-week window. And a reminder, once more, 3.30 on Saturday, 3.15 pregame here on the fan for Columbus and Chicago. Crew won the opening return to play at home markets, 3 uh, nothing. Added some late goals in that, including the Nagby goal everyone is still talking about. It's also Kick Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, $25, right, Jordan, for every retweet or with a hashtag? Yes. What is the hashtag?
2: Kick Childhood Cancer.
1: Oh, there you go. So get that out there. It's $25. It's so easy. Help on that cause. Team Shop open Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 to 2. And Crew Stadium and Columbus Crew SC, they've got all your up-to-date information, player interviews, photos, renderings. They might even have a coloring book still up there for the kids. They got it all. Uh, Speaking of Nagby, Jordan, this step into the 10 role when Lucas is not playing, is this the default? Uh, There's a possibility that they're trying to add another player, but if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, this is, uh, yeah. it's going all right when he's been there.
2: And that question, a question out Brian there on me on, yeah, Brian yeah. And me on Twitter. And I think it's an option and it's a good option, especially against a team like FC Cincinnati. And I'm doing a breakdown segment on it this week. So you'll get to hear a little bit more why I think it fits so well. But it is another option, and that's nice because that was a a position where now you have three players that can play there, Lucas, Pedro, uh, Nagby. You could bring Mokhtar in there and play in there as well. So there are options there, but I think Nagby has done a good job when he has slid in and played that. And especially from the start, I thought that that he did a really good job in Cincinnati uh, prodding in that area of the field, trying to pull some defenders towards him so then he could dish the ball.
1: Good answer. Mm -hmm. We can sneak in one more question. There's going to be something here. Um, What am I looking for? (laughs) Brandon Bialy, how nice is it to cover the greatest team the world has ever seen? (laughs) Always a popular moniker on Twitter, but it feels like it. Number one in the power rankings uh, for the crew right now with just over half the season remaining. It's yeah. fun. We're having fun. We are here to have some fun, just like every week. Um, but it's good.
2: And we've been having fun. I think we should note really quick, it was so nice having fans in the stands.
1: It was awesome. And mentioning this on the post game, you really, in some of the smaller elements, like hearing a replay from different angles and hearing how the crowd will crescendo after a goal, like that's what I mm-hmm. missed yeah
2: and or the room chant yeah that was nice all of it we only heard it maybe once but did it, i think i said this in post game as well but when the team was over at the nordica singing after the game it it brought like my eyes got a little watery because it felt like a normal moment right that we've been kind of craving in this crazy 2020 and it. It really gave a sense of like, in the end, we're all in this together. And there was a real unity. And I just, I thought it was a really special moment.
1: Yeah. It wasn't the ragweed. It was, it was the emotion of the moment.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was a little allergy joke. Go with it. That was pretty funny. I was laughing. It. No, it is. Good. It is. It's you nice make to, laugh. <laughs> it is nice to have the community back within. Yeah. Um, the fabric of the team it's such an important part there's a brand new book out by the way accidental heroes uh, we're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks on the uh, save the crew movement with pete mcginty now uh, that's the plan uh, the author of that book so the team knows how important the front office knows how important the fans have been and it's great to see them back in the stadium it's not great to end on this song but
2: whatever.
1: <laughs> We're almost out of uh, the woods. We're almost out of the woods. <laughs> I want to thank Emmanuel Boateng for coming on, Tony Miola. Bodie Wells in control, you for listening and your Twitter questions. Saturday 3:30. We'll see if the crew can get their first official road win of the season. Chicago's been slumping a bit. They beat Cincinnati after that crew game, but the uh, winless in 3 since so we'll see, Jordan. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, should be a good game. I, I think it's going to be a really fun battle. So I agree. let's watch it together, Neil.
1: We will. We, will. we won't listen to the song anymore, though, because the show is over. And we hope <laughs> you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday night and the rest of your week. Thanks for listening. Inside the Crew, your radio home of the black and gold 97 won the fan. Have a good night.
0: Your favorite fan shows are available when you want them. Head to 971thefan.com
1: and hit that subscribe button.
0: The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios.
1: Honda makes the cars, Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com.
0: WBNSFM, HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Our show is over. Our show is over. Please enjoy this random game between two teams you may or may not care about. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination
4: linebacker